Creating your fulfilled life comes with plenty of challenges. Add in the unyielding desire to be an entrepreneur. Well, life just got a bit tougher and a whole lot more rewarding at the same time. Yes, being fully responsible for every aspect of your quality of life as boss is going to require gumption and chutzpah, but you can do it if you are willing to do the work. As an eventual entrepreneur, I want you to get in the driver's seat and create the life you love, create impact, and make meaningful contributions doing what you love for a living as a thriving entrepreneur. Don't quit. Don't give up. Start Up and Thrive, a podcast for eventual entrepreneurs from Charlene Sanders. In this episode, we talked to Ivanya Easley of Love E-Fashion. Ivanya has been an entrepreneur by fire for the last 10 years, and she is doing well with it. While Ivanya's initial plan was to save up a certain amount of money and then take the journey to becoming an entrepreneur, life didn't happen that way. Losing her job forced her to take her side gig to the next level and become an entrepreneur. Ivanya shares with us what it means for her to build a life around what she loved while trimming the fat and living very lean to pursue that life. Ivanya decided she had to be on it. She had to hustle smarter. Once you lose your job, that push was just what she needed to pursue a life that she loved. While Ivanya's career starts out as a accounting and finance driven career, she pivots to the world of fashion. Ivanya believes that regardless of what your business, talent, side hustle, entrepreneur gig is, you have to understand this is now a business and you have to run it as such. Now that Ivanya has been in the business for over 10 years, she's now thinking about her exit strategy. I hope you enjoyed Ivanya of Love E Fashion. We all have to work for a living, so you might as well be working, doing something you really enjoy. Definitely the beginning was very, very hard. It made me pursue it harder. When I got in the fashion industry, I still had to figure out where did I fit in. You got to figure out who your target customer is. I'm not for any and everybody, and that's okay. I didn't get in business to basically have another boss. I'm the boss. It's never too late to start doing what you love. As of now, I'm trying to reach all the continents before I turn 40. It's refreshing to wake up on the beach on the other side of the world and be able to have your prayer time on the beach. It's just nothing like it. Believe in manifestation. I believe I can have anything I want. If I put in the work for it, do what I need to do, scared, excited, overwhelmed, nervous, but feel like it's going to be really worth it to push myself. For those of us who aren't familiar with Love E Fashions, tell us um, exactly what you do, your role within your company and how it all began. How did you get to where you are today? Awesome. Uh, well, yes, Love E Fashion is A fashion image consulting company, Uh, we do personal styling for busy professionals, everything from photo shoots, book covers, speaking engagements, um, and they're ready to wear every day to the office. As well as we do a few entertainment projects in regards to like TV ads, uh, movies, TV shows, film, etc. And I am the CEO. I started the company almost 10 years ago um, from my love of fashion and just dressing myself. And then as I evolved and started helping other people, it got more in, up to be about personal style. So not so much about fashion as much as about helping people develop their personal style and make sure they're reflecting their best self to the world. Because when you see people, you see them before they open their mouth. 
So you want to really reflect who you are in your wardrobe, how you carry yourself, how you present yourself. So that when you open your mouth, everything adds up. That makes sense. That, that makes all the sense in the world. So very seldom do I come across individuals who landed exactly where they are based on what they plan to do in the onset. I know you said you had the business for about 10 years now. Where did the beginning start for you? How did that transition occur? Yes, I think in any entrepreneur's life or even just um, people who even go to work, there's going to always be some pivots uh, as you move along life. Life is not a straight line. It is more of a curvy path. And sometimes you got a few cliffs you might drop off and fall off and get on another street. <laughs> Before I got into fashion, I actually went to school for poli-sci, um, majoring in political science, minoring in criminal justice and psychology. And then when I got a master's in finance, obviously I'm not working in either one of those areas. But I will say that I did spend the first 10 years of my adult, you know, real job. I've been working since I was 14, but my pr first professional job out of college. I spent those 10 years being an accountant. So I've spent 20 years working as an adult and probably another additional seven or eight working as a teenager too. I got out of college. And um, I was an accountant, like I said, for 10 years. So I did use my master's degree there. Um, growing up, I didn't think fashion was actually a realistic job. I don't know how old the listeners are, but I grew up before social media even existed. So there were no opportunities to look online and see people, you know, being makeup artists for a living or hair or anything creative. I just knew that you went to college, you got a good job, and that was, you know, the end all to be all. So I took that path. And then um, as I was being an accountant, I discovered, you know, of course, social media came about and I discovered people who were actually making a living off of creative jobs. So I started to immerse myself in that industry, being a around people that were doing it. So it's assisting, interning, learning, growing, studying, reading, taking classes, um, and kind of figuring out as I went. And so I got to this place of being able to start my own company and then even then figuring out how to make it, what to do, what not to do, and then figuring that out and kind of following that, that path that I came up or that blueprint that I came up with that worked for me. Like you said, you started your career out your professional career as an accountant using your master's degree, you know, literally, what was it that triggered your decision to pursue fashion? Well, um, it was a, a what two, three part <laughs> uh, equation that got me to there. Well, I always knew that um, one day I would figure out how to be able to live off of my passion and creativity. I didn't know how, but I figured, oh, and this is back when I was like 21. I figured, oh, you know, by the time I'm 30, because 30 seems so old at 21. But um, by the time I'm 30, I'll figure out, you know, how I can do what I love for a living because we all have to work for a living. So you might as well be working, doing something you really enjoy versus working for somebody else and not really having a passion for it. I mean, if you can find a job where you work for somebody else and you have a passion that, hey, everybody is not cut out to be an entrepreneur. But I knew that I really had a passion for this industry. I had a passion for helping people look good and feel good. And I was trying to find my path on being able to pursue that passion and make a living at the same time. Um, started, you know, like I said, assisting and interning while I was an accountant. So one example of that is I was working at Fox 5, dressing at Anchors. That was my first fashion job. I really had no clue as to what I was doing. It was not the same as dressing somebody for every day or even a fashion show. It's totally different. Um, there's certain things you have to be mindful of um, for TV. So I got into it that way. 
um, assisting interning, but at the same time, I was working as an accountant. So I was going to the station at three, four in the morning, going to my job at nine o'clock, getting off, going shopping so I could go back to the station the next morning and kept doing that, trying, you know, to make it work. And then the economy crashed and I ended up losing my job anyway. So when I lost my job, because I was doing nonprofit accounting. So basically it was, you know, a nonprofit. Their donations got low when the economy crashed and they couldn't afford to keep anybody on. They let go of the secretary, then they let go of me. And it was just, yeah, it was a wrap. So when they let me go, I was working at Fox 5, Channel 2 and Channel 11. So I kind of just took that as a pivot to really pursue it and make it like, okay, I have to be proactive now instead of reactive because I don't have a paycheck coming in every two weeks. So I got to get on this, get on my hustle and really make all these relationships and everything I've been cultivating on the side really work for me. So you know what? There's there's two things that come to mind and I'm going to take the former path. The first thing that you said now as you mentioned, the path that most of us are advised to take based off of our parents' experience or those of us who are what I consider traditionalists, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, who stick to the path of go to school, get a job, retire with that company if possible. What was the conversation like when you said, you know what, I'm going to go and dress up people for a living because you know that's what they hear. They don't hear. <laughs> she's a yeah. entrepreneur. She's helping people build their self-image. She's helping people actually pursue the dreams that they love. They hear you're going to play dress up for a living. Yeah. Um, yeah. It didn't go It didn't go over well at all. But the thing about me is that I've always been super self-motivated. So I never had to have anybody like patting me on the back to be able to push through to what I want to do. I'm pretty hard-headed probably to a degree about like if I want to do something, I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. No matter what it is, whether that was getting my first car, where my parents told me they weren't going to buy me one, to, you know, getting a job early because I wanted certain things that my parents weren't willing to do when I was a teenager. So by the time I told my parents, I've already been taking care of myself for years. So it wasn't like I needed them to help me per se. I just wanted them to, you know, believe in me and support me more so than anything else. Um, so when I did tell them, they were just like, you have two degrees and you're going to play with clothes for a living. Uh, we don't get it. But you know, do what you do, whatever, um, you know, we're here, but they was just really doubtful and not super supportive in regards to like believing that I can make this a career. Fast forward when I start actually making money and I've been doing it, you know, for this long, it's all, oh, we're so proud of you. We knew you could do it. <laughs> I mean, and even just the other day, I went to my great aunt's 90th birthday party. So, of course, I saw all my relatives and one of my uncles was there and he was like, so you still doing that um, fashion thing? I was like, yeah. He's like, how long has it been now? I was like, about 10 years. Wow. What made you do that again? But I guess it's going well since it's been 10 years. I was like, yeah. You recognize that you had to get on your hustle. You no longer had a two-week check coming in, a check coming in every two weeks. And you had to cultivate those relationships, yeah. like really get on it. What was that experience like? You realize, okay, I'm in this. And did you continue to cultivate those relationships? Well, luckily, my personality has always been like, you know, pretty friendly, outgoing. And before I even knew what networking was, I was doing it. I just didn't know that's what it was called. I just thought it was being myself. So as I was shopping out and about when I didn't do it as a job, I was just doing it for myself or just helping out family and friends. I was already building those relationships. So by the time I lost my job, it was more like, hey, everybody I've been building these relationships with while I was an accountant for 10 years. I'm officially in the 
industry now. Please send me all the work, anything you know coming up, anything I can help you with, please let me know because I'd already been building the relationships, building the relationships with stores. And when I got clients, I actually were able to go somewhere to shop because I knew one day I was going to be able to do it for a living. But in my mind, the plan was, oh, I'm going to save up, you know, a certain amount of money before I do it full time. I'm going to have everything I dotted, T's crossed. And it just didn't work out that way because I lost my job before I got to that place. Mm-hmm. I had to cut back. I cut out many petties. I cut out um, cable. I kept internet because I needed, um, you know, the Wi-Fi. But I just cut back. I ended up renting out my house. Um, like I had a four bedroom house. It was just me and my daughter. I rented out half the house to help save on on the note I just really had to trim wherever I could you just mentioned you had a daughter so at this time when you had lost your job and when you decided to pursue this full-time you had already been in a relationship had you know marriage oh yeah I've been married divorced the whole night (laughs) well long as I can keep a roof over her head and I can keep my car and feed us we'll be okay (laughs) let's go further into that because I do think that that is absolutely a barrier for um, some women, they feel as if, you know, if it was just me, maybe I would pursue it. But because I have a daughter, some women feel a certain level of guilt in pursuing what they love if they've got a child or children. Yeah. Before, because so many people can see it as not safe for you to do or not safe for you to pursue. You should just go the traditional route and forget your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Would, I mean, like, how would you... If you had women that came to you and say, hey, Ivanya, I'm thinking about doing this. This is where I am. What did you do? Like, how did you do it? And how did you not give up, even though I'm sure challenges occurred? Oh, yes. Uh, Definitely. The beginning was very, very hard. Um, I think if anything, it made you it made me pursue it harder because then she could see an example of. You know, mommy got divorced, so we didn't have daddy's, you know, regular paycheck coming in like we did when she was, we were still married. But she could see that I overcame the divorce, I overcame the financial situation and still pursued my dreams and still didn't lose who I was as a person just because I was her mother. I think you still have to balance as a woman being everything to everybody and being who you need to be for yourself. If I don't take care of me, I can't take care of everybody else around me better. And if I'm sacrificing for everybody around me, I don't want it to be resentful for me. So it was like, you know, I'm Joy's mama, but I'm also Ivanya, not just, you know, Dexter and Barbara's daughter or Delisha and Dexter's sister. I'm still my own person. I still have to pursue my own thing. Like I said, we just really trimmed the fat. We kept the house. We kept the car. And that was like the bare minimum. And of course, we had food. I did have a really close girlfriend at the time that was really supportive. Like she would bring meals by and made sure, you know, we didn't starve to death when it got really lean. And then I just really got on my hustle. So at the end of the day, it was like, I have to be on it because I have somebody depending on me. Versus if I didn't have her, maybe I would have been like, oh, I just give up my house and go move in or with friends or go move in with family. But I had to keep some stability for her. So that's why I had the house. I had the car and just, that was it. We just had just enough. Right. Now, another thing that you mentioned is, and this sounds so familiar to me because I had my daughter and her father and I also ended up departing early on in her in her life but mama still had to hustle mama still yeah. had to do what she needed to do to make sure like you said that there's a roof over our head and food on our table because you just feel more dependent on yourself even yeah. if the other one is still involved you still take on onus of that responsibility in remembering my process i remember taking my daughter 
to certain meanings and hoping and praying that her sitting in the corner with the crayons was going to be enough. I remember people actually embracing me and telling me to not feel bad about the fact that I was a single mother because I felt like it was a um, a distraction or wasn't yeah. respectful of their time. But I found that I had a lot more support than I thought I would when I needed to do that because at that time I was a commission sales producer. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I had to do what I had to do. I had to work, you know, late nights. And when she got off to school, we, we had to go and see a client who had a restaurant that was, still, yeah. you know. So how was how was your experience in your startup phase? Well, the fashion industry is very known for a lot of the people that have made it big have no kids at all. Mm. or they don't have their kids until after they make it big. So they're very, I don't want to say anti-kids, but they're not super supportive of kids. Um, like, example, when I work on movie, I worked on a movie, uh, a Disney movie when she was little. It was no way I would have been able to bring her on set because we were working like 5 in the morning until 12 at night. It was crazy hours, which is also why I don't work on movies as much because I don't like the hours. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> so I don't do costuming as much. And that was another thing. When I got in the fact industry I still had to figure out where did I fit in in the industry did I want to be in movies did I want to do TV and when I say in movies I mean the costuming or did I want to work on TV and do costumes did I want to work with personal clients and you know really finding my way did I want to open a boutique so that in itself was a process in regards to her when she was little I'm like I said I had a really good girlfriend that would help out so I never had to take her to meetings or to go to work with me but there were times where I might have not been able to accept a job if I wasn't able to make sure I had somebody to watch her so now moving forward you said that you had a girlfriend who was really really um supportive and helpful at the time and mm -hmm. you continue to progress in your career uh, regardless of what that help looks like, it may not be anything related to your child, but have you found that within your industry, you've been able to find your own little brain trust, your own little mastermind group of individuals that's willing to help you um, and help each other really along as you pursue your goals? Have you found um, connections there? Yes, um, I have a tribe, as I call it, um, of women that, and they're not even all in fashion. I have like a tribe of like 10 girlfriends that were all in different industries. I mean, two of them are lawyers, one's a judge, two own boutiques. So it's not a nonprofit marketing own um, business owner. So there's a variety of us. Uh, that are doing a bunch of different things. But the key is most of us are all entrepreneurs, so regardless of what industry. So we can all relate to the fact of working for ourselves and it's not the same as going to nine to five. And so we can relate to the struggles that just goes with running and owning a business, no matter the industry. And then, of course, I got the few that are actually in fashion. And like I said, I've been cultivating relationships even before I got in the business. So once I got in the business, I met even more people, kept cultivating relationships and know a lot of people that I can reach out to be like, hey, you know, I need this or hey, um, do you know somebody that does this, that and the other? And then they do the same thing with me. So it's definitely been cultivating relationships the whole time. How have you all helped each other along the way? I believe in using me until I'm gone. I don't want you to misuse me. Yeah. Definitely use me because I think we all are here to be used in one way or the other. How have you yeah. all been able to help each other along within your respective careers and tap into each other for the benefit of both? Yeah. Well, um, 
With a lot of times, you know, of course, you just need a sounding board like, hey, what do you think of this? I'm about to pursue this. What do, what do you think about it? Uh, sometimes it's referrals. Uh, my attorney girlfriend, I was like, hey, you know, I'm trying to do this copyright trademark. Do you know anybody? Because she doesn't practice that kind of law. So she couldn't help me. But she referred me to the attorney that I ended up using. Um, another girlfriend's an interior decorator. I'm launching my style app later this year. She's going to handle the event planning for it. Because she does interior design and event planning. So, you know, I utilize the people that I know business-wise first. So if I have to hire anybody, I'm going to check with my circle first. I hire within that circle. And if not, they're going to refer me somebody that I can't hire or use. And then vice versa. They'll call me for advice or pricing because they know I'm about my coins. So it'll be like, hey, so what do you think I should charge for this? And I'm like, yeah, so this is what you need to do. So uh, we've been, I think all relationships are give and take. Uh, you have to be giving, they have to be giving because we're all taking from each other, but we're also giving at the same time. So nobody feels like she's always taking and never giving or vice versa. We're all there to support each other and, um, you know, make referrals for each other as well as hey if you need something and i know somebody or i got it then you got it too let's talk about the money side because you've mentioned that a couple of times you have an advantage that many of us entrepreneurs do not have in that you understand the coins you understand being an entrepreneur being the doer having the creative spirit and the creative know-how is one thing but how do you translate that into making sure that your money is making sense what have you learned having had finance as a major about running a business effectively yeah i think um when i first got and especially because i'm in fashion it's such a creative industry you know a lot of people that are in fashion are like yeah i went to fit or i went to parsons which are major fashion schools scad so they majored in fashion minored in fashion graduated everything is about fashion or you know something related to being creative first when i first got in the industry i was like dang i wish i went that route but fast forward when i start focusing more on the business side of what i was doing because regardless of what the business does every company has a business side no matter how creative you still got bills to pay you still got to make money you still got to have your bottom line figured out so I'm glad I went the route that I went because when I did get into this industry, like you said, my background actually came in handy because I was used to keeping up with money for other companies. So now I was like, well, let me keep up with my own money. I know every penny that goes out. I know every penny that comes in. I know the percentages of, you know, what the expenses are versus what my owner's compensation is. I read a lot. I just finished this book called Profit First, which I love. And it really talks to entrepreneurs about taking your profit first, which is what we don't do a lot of times we get our money we pay all the bills and whatever's left is our money pay ourselves that concept but i've never heard the book please say it one more time profit first actually while i was sick yesterday i was like i gotta get something done i finished the book while i was sick i was like i can't believe it i don't believe in any days being unproductive so i was like even though i'm sick as a dog i can at least lay here on the couch and read in between my naps i'm loving this thing that we're going down i'm gonna step back a few steps though Mm -hmm. how did your background in finance help you to determine your pricing or did it did it help you determine your pricing at all or was everything about whatever is the industry standard yes exactly standard when i get now and you know what when i got in the business because every business has their industry standards what i was doing as an accountant of course i was salaried i was making a certain amount of money but what i'm making as an accountant is not what you would make as a fashion and and 
industry professional. On top of the fact is also about, you know, who have you worked with? What's your resume, your portfolio? What's your body of work as a creative? So in the beginning, of course, you don't really have any body of work because you're just getting started. So you can increase your rates as you go. But actually, I read another book called um, Badass Brand by Pia. I can't remember her last name, but there's not too many books called Badass Your Brand. I read her book and she's the one who helped me with my pricing because when I first got in the industry, I, of course, with fashion, um, I don't know about other people's industry, but with fashion, there's a lot of interning and assisting for free because you got to get the experience. And then you kind of find your way on what to charge. So you're kind of just making it up as you go. And then, of course, there's industry standard rates for all the major cities, but LA and New York are the primary cities for my industry. So Atlanta, it was kind of like you had to kind of figure it out based on what other stylists in Atlanta was doing, as well as the kind of styling work you were doing. If you're working with personal clients versus like a TV ad campaign or um, something of that nature. So I had to kind of figure it out. But once I read that book, that really helped me nail down my rates based on you know, finding what my value was and my words based on experience and the body of work I had accomplished in the years I've been doing this. So now in the profit first um, ideology, which I believe in, I remember when I first started out, I first thought about being an entrepreneur or before I didn't even realize that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I recognized that everyone was fading. You can't pay yourself. You just, you know, you have to put everything back into the business and while I didn't know why, that just never resonated with me. It just never made sense. So I love the fact that there are books, philosophies, authors, people who are giving you the rationale about why that isn't the case. I haven't read the book, so help us understand what the author is advocating. Well, the premise that I would, I do suggest every entrepreneur read the book. Um, because like you said, yeah, we've all been taught, you know, in business, especially as a business owner, when you're not getting paid every two weeks, you might be getting paid every day or you might not get paid again for a month is that you get the money, you pay all the bills and then whatever's left, that's what you take home to eat. So it always seems like it's a struggle, but with profit first, he's basically allocating that when you get these lump sum, I mean, when you get paid, no matter when you get paid, his was the 10th and 25th, all the money you make by the time the 10th comes you're supposed to allocate it accordingly so he has these percentages that you're putting everything to and he was like if you don't have any money left that means you need to be cutting some of your expenses if you feel like you don't have enough left after you allocate from all the monies that have came out on the 10th to disperse for bills and expenses and then on the 25th you're supposed to do it again versus what most entrepreneurs do i mean and i know i've done this before i read the book and now i'm like about to change everything but i get um you know a great client or a couple of great clients and when that money came it'll be like oh, okay these are all the things i need to pay these are all the things i want to do in my business and i have the money let me just go ahead and do it and then whatever's left that's what i would pay myself now i've been able to work it out where i've paid myself and been you know somewhat okay like i might not have had enough necessarily to ball out but i had enough to cover my expenses but you always still ever always felt like you were still broke or just felt like you still was too tight with the way his book is set up on how you do your business you should always have money regardless of what because of the way he's talking about the allocation so that's why i was like oh okay about to do um change up how i'm doing everything to apply this method really good book really good book i i have a personal library i don't know about anybody else but I love books. I love knowledge. Me too. For Google, I was in a library. I had my library card, checking out 20 books at a time. Not I love to read so much. I thought I wanted to work in a library when I was a teenager because I thought I was going to be sitting in there reading all day. That's not what librarians do. But I thought I wanted to work in a library because I love to read too. Exactly. I've always loved to read. 
And for me, I'm just an information hog. I have to learn something new. I have exactly to new information. I have to have. I want somebody not really to challenge my perspective, but I want my perspective to always be challenged by inputting new information. I'm just open to um, new information and new uh, ways of doing things, especially if you're yet seeking and you're yet yeah. trying to figure out whether or not what you're doing now is going to work for what you're going to be doing in the future. Um, exactly. So I love every, every aspect of that. Let's go back to your business side. I really want to talk about <laughs> your clients and your branding um, before we talk about how you apply all of your new learnings to what it is that you do for your clients. Who is your ideal client and what are some of the things that you have found that they need from you? Uh, my ideal client usually are men and women, more women than men, but I do have guy clients as well, um, that are over 35, that are professionals in their industry. I don't work a lot with entrepreneurs unless they're super established, meaning like they've already had their business or they've owned their business for over a decade or more because I find most entrepreneurs are not my ideal clientele. They have a lot of stuff they have to do as an entrepreneur and that doesn't always include being able to afford a stylist to help them with their physical image and brand. I find that they're over 35, they're professionals in their industry, they're speakers, authors, doctors, lawyers, C-suite executives, and they usually have spent so much time being good at what it is they do, whether that being in school and residency or doctorate degrees. A lot of them have doctorate degrees, whether they're medical doctors or doctors of political science, human resources, etc. They spend a lot of time educating themselves. So by the time they finish all their schooling and they get to work, they don't know anything else in regards to their image and brand and how it relates to their audience. So I'm helping them in regards to making sure that their image on the outside matches what's on the inside. And most of the time, that's not something that is that even crossed their mind or that interests them, as well as not knowing how to even do it. This is what I do all day. So I can put together 30, 40 outfits in probably 20 minutes, where most people have an hour trying to figure out one thing to put together. It's a gift and the fact that I do it all the time because it is my job. I can do it a lot quicker and a lot faster than most people. So I'm saving them a lot of time. Um, I'm saving them the know-how and then they can just go out and present themselves to the world but a lot of times their image is not reflecting it so i'm just perfecting their image to match who they are so that they can go out here and live their best life so what percentage would you say of your business is complete new customer acquisition from scratch through networking and then what percentage would you say is coming through referrals for you at this point? Um, I do get a lot of referrals. I've been blessed because I haven't really did any for real marketing or hired any real marketing. I think I might have spent $3,000 on marketing the whole time I've been in business. And even that, I was kind of like, that was too much money. But <laughs> that's another conversation. But I've actually just built my business basically off of referrals, doing good work. And those clients are telling other people as well as networking. So I have a lot of repeat clients. My very first client is still with me to this day. I met her in 2010 and I just saw her last month. Uh, she's still with me. And most of my clients, if they're with me, they never leave once they get me. I've only had two leave and that was because they moved out of town and they were like, they're not going to come back to Atlanta and they're probably not going to fly me in. But uh, my other clients that live out of town, they will fly to Atlanta for me or they will fly me out. So most of, I have a nice steady rotation of repeat clients, but then I also are constantly taking on new clients and then the clients that I already currently have make referrals. I encourage my new clients to make referrals so that hopefully every client I get is basically coming with maybe two or three.
you and I had a conversation briefly before about um, effective networking. And I don't even like yes. the networking. I call it intentional connecting. You stated you were fully aware you networking with entrepreneurs. That's not where you need to be. You yeah, now not for my business. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you have been smart about understanding where you need to be. Where do you go? Like where, where would you tell a startup entrepreneur who understands that networking entrepreneur to entrepreneur is not how I'm going to generate business. How would you advise them as where they should consider placing themselves in the circles that they need to place themselves in if they don't have the benefit of a click like yours? Yeah, I mean, and even with the benefit of my click, I didn't get them at first. I just got half of them in the last three to four years. I've already had been in business at that point. But I met a lot of these women because I was putting myself in the right places. And so then sometimes you meet people and you just click and connect. So then some of them have actually hired me for stuff that they had going on, as well as we end up becoming personal friends. When I meet everybody, usually, especially if it's at a networking event, I'm trying to get you as a client. But somehow I ended up with some of them as friends. So it worked out. <laughs> but... I think the key thing is you got to figure out who your target customer is. I think in the very beginning, people, we get in business to do what we love and we just get out here and start doing it, trying to sell it to any and everybody. That's what I did. And then I realized I'm not for any and everybody and that's okay. And I need to figure out who is really my customer and know everything about him or her and then determine where I need to put myself. So like I said, when I got Laura, who is my oldest client and my one of my best clients, I looked at her and was like, I need 10 more Lauras. And I looked at her profession and her lifestyle, her age, and that's how I determined and came up with my target client and then put myself in places where they work. So I think that's probably the most important thing is figuring out who is your client and then figuring out where they be. What was it about Laura, her avatar per se, that you understood that this is now who I believe my ideal client to be because of this, 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 and this? What did that look like? Um, she was over 35, and I noticed that all my good clients were over 35. So that was another thing I took into account for. So I was building my client, customer, target profile over a period of time because in the beginning, I didn't know anything about building it. I just started to look over my business and over my clients and trying to figure out like, okay, I really need to figure out how to make this money and to figure that out I need to look at who's giving me the most money who is easy to work with who are these ideal types and so I kept taking those different traits from each one that I would come across but Laura was the first and like I said she's over 35 she's in pharmaceutical sales she's super busy doesn't have a lot of time travels a lot likes to look good but doesn't want to take the time to do so that was like okay this is my client because i don't have any clients that love fashion obviously because if they did they're not going to hire me because they wanted to go out and do the same thing so i need to find people who had disposable income which means they had jobs good jobs entrepreneurs weren't that no offense to entrepreneurs most of them are trying to get their website built their business cards they're trying to sell you you're trying to sell them nothing's happening of it um, the only entrepreneurs i have right now is like one is a doctor she owns her own pediatric practice she owns the practice so she hires other doctors so yeah she's an entrepreneur but i mean she's super established and like i said i might not have been able to work with her when she first started her practice but she's had a practice now for about 10 years so she's an ideal client now so i focus on people as i say that have jobs those are the people who are going to be able to pay and that are super busy and don't have the time but they do want to look good now do you also find that your clients will come to you 
thinking that they need one thing um, particularly. And when I say one thing, one thing could be three or four things, you know. Yeah. But thinking they need a particular thing. And then when you actually get a chance to get with them and have the conversation, you're finding out, actually, this is what I would do if I were to work with you. Um, I mean, most of my clients come because it's like, hey, you know, I need to revamp my style. Or, hey, I had a baby and now I don't know my body. Or, hey, I got a new job. Or, I want a new job. Or, I want to, you know. Some of them have even been like, hey, I want a relationship. Like, I want to get married. And I'm not doing something right or a combination of all of that. And so once we actually have a style console and they give me an idea of what their lifestyle looks like, what they've been wearing, I can usually pinpoint where the disconnect is and how we need to go about fixing it. The fact that they stay with you, what type of relationship building? And I don't think, you know, you're looking at it like uh, the technical term of client relationship management as far as checking mm-hmm. all of the boxes. Uh, of what to do technically, but how have you been able to, um, and I know you said doing good work is one thing, but outside of that, there's still a social aspect of that that has nothing to do with the work that you do. How have you been able to maintain most of your clients for such a long time beyond the fact that you do great work? Um, I really believe in excellent customer service. Um, even before I got into this industry, when I got out of college and I had the good job and I was making the good money, I was shopping quite a bit. And I know that when I was shopping, I always shop with the places that gave me good customer service. Even if, I mean, of course I like the stuff that was in there, but if it was two stores and I like both of what they had, it was the one that gave me the best customer service that I would always go back to regardless. And it doesn't matter if I went to a store and I loved everything in there. If I felt like the customer service was terrible, I wouldn't buy anything. I always felt like I worked too hard for my money to spend it with people that act like they can't appreciate that I'm spending it with them. And then, of course, a lot of time, a lot of times when I was younger, like I said, I look young already. So when I was younger, I looked even younger. So sometimes I walk in nice stores and people wouldn't want to help me thinking that I wasn't about to spend any money. And then they get the surprise of the person that was helping me that I was spending a lot because back then, you know, I was just young and dumb and spending all the money, didn't know the economy was going to crash on me. Uh, if I did, I always say, oh, my God, if I had all that money back. But that's neither here nor there. I'm really big on excellent customer service. I check on them outside of saying, hey, you need to schedule your appointment. I know when their birthdays are, when their anniversary is, how the grandma, dog, children, whatever are doing. I send out thank you cards every month to the clients that I saw the previous month. So there's not a always, hey, you ready to shop? Hey, you ready to shop? It's always a reach out. Hey, I'm just checking on you. Or, hey, how that conference or that trip go or whatever. Just always constantly letting them know that I care about them outside of the fact that they're clients. So I can do good work, but I also think I give really excellent service. And we all have a nice rapport. All my clients, we have a nice rapport with each other. So I really think that that's it. I mean, and then, like I said, I do do good work. And then I'm very big on responding quickly. They don't have to wait a long time for me to get back to them. And then I do my very best to try to accommodate them with their needs, even though they know I hate last minute stuff. Um, which is why I stay on top of them so that I can run them according to my schedule instead of me running according to their schedule. But when it does, you know, happen to happen, I usually can work it out where I'm still able to help. Oh, and one more thing um, to add to that is that I think also when we get into business, we do end up becoming slaves to our business. And part of owning your business was to get the freedom of not having to be, you know, the 
slave to somebody else, like your boss, and having to be in and working this a certain amount of hours in this certain amount of time frame. But then you get in your business, sometimes you become a slave to your clients. So I didn't get in business to basically have another boss. I'm the boss. So that's another reason why I was able to cultivate how I run the business. Because in the beginning, I was like a slave to whoever was paying me. And then I had more structure. So now it's like, you can't call me. If you're a new client, you're going to have to fit into my schedule. If you're an old client, I'm going to try to work it out. But I always stress to them, there is a, a last minute fee as well as, you know, I have to be able to work you in. And that's a really good segment. On one hand, I want to understand what you have developed as far as your systems and processes. On the other hand, I want to understand what challenges, setbacks, um, even, you know, perceived prior failures led you to develop these systems and processes because everybody has to have failures in order to get yeah. to the point where they're like, okay, that's not going to happen again, or that happened and I'm glad it did. I've made lots and lots of mistakes, which is why now I teach a class for people who want to get into the business of style. But my thing is I'm teaching them so that they can not make the same mistakes that I made. I spent lots of money with a lot of the mistakes that I made that if I could redo things, I would have did it different. But I think in the beginning, it's really important, one, to figure out who your client is. That's going to definitely help. And then put yourself in places that you can be around them, as well as getting mentors, getting people around you that have experience, not even necessarily in your industry, but just as a business owner. And I think in the beginning, I didn't have any of that. I was just flying by the seat of my pants. I had to just figure things out. And then as I continued to grow and learn and keep educating myself with business books, like I said, like Profit First, Badass Your Brand, and however many other tons of them that I've read. That you start to put systems and processes and really think about the fact that you're not only doing what it is you love to do, but you're running a business. And in the beginning, it was just, I'm doing what I love to do. And then over a couple of years, it was like, okay, I'm running a business and I need to run it as such. So that's when I had to put systems and processes in place and policies in place with clients, with people that I work with and structuring my business in a way that actually is a business versus a hobby that you make money off of. So how did you do that? Like, what are what are some tips that you could provide that relates to structuring and policy making? Um, you want to have policies for your clients. So, for example, and this happened recently, and it was the first time it ever happened to me, and it shook me. Um, I left the country in December to go to Thailand. Um, I like to travel, too, as an entrepreneur, and I wasn't able to do it in the beginning. But in the last four years, I leave the country and go on these different trips. I had booked a client and I while I was out the country and my assistant was supposed to help her. I told this client, hey, I will be out the country because I, I don't do anything. I do everything with integrity. So I'm not going to do anything to my clients that makes them feel like I was lying by omission or just something that doesn't seem on the up and up. I was like, hey, I'm going to be in Thailand, but my assistant can't help you. I've already pre-picked all the clothes for you. Everything is done. She's just going to bring it over to you and I'll meet you when I get back in the country. She said, okay, I charged her the rate. Um, mind you, my processes are non-refundable. So you have to decide what your policies are. I have policies in place about you can have a credit, but I don't give refunds. There is cancellation fees. There is last minute fees. I came up with my different policies as different things happen. I encourage people to come up with this stuff before it happens to you. I came up with this stuff as it happens. So anytime something would happen, I'd come up with a new policy. So mind you, I had to come up with a weather policy because of this. So while I was in Thailand, come to find out it snowed in Atlanta. And my assistant wasn't able to drive in the snow to give her the clothes. To say the client was irate was um, not even the word for it. 
Mind you, I'm 12 hours ahead in a different country. There's nothing I can do about it. And when I get back, you know, I'm trying to smooth and ruffle, you know, calm down her ruffled feathers. She was just extremely upset. She was able to get the clothes, but the assistant didn't bring them to him. She had to go and get the clothes from the assistant. So I gave her a partial refund for the fact that she had to drive to get the clothes in the snow from the assistant. But she ended up disputing me. I've never, ever had this happen. Instead of calling me and trying to work it out some more, as much as I was trying to work it out with her, I ended up getting a email saying, hey, you've been disputed for 500 something dollars. Now, $500 is not a lot of money, but it's enough money that I was upset. Right. So I was like, what the heck? So they said, hey, you know, send in your documentation to prove, you know, to dispute her dispute. So, of course, I had the pictures. I had receipts. Because, mind you, she wore the clothes, posted them on social media and everything. But instead of doing a partial dispute, she wanted all her money back, even though she still got the job done. So the bank ended up signing with me. I got the money back. But that was a hard lesson for me just because I never had that happen before. And luckily, because I had all my receipts and documentation, I was able to get my money back. According to document everything, I had the emails between us, exchanges. I had the receipts for the clothes that was bought. I had pictures of her wearing the clothes. So she couldn't say that she didn't get the job, even if it didn't get done exactly how she wanted. So in all that, I'm saying that even now to this day, when I feel like I'm really on top of it, there's still things that can happen. So I went back to my policy and implemented an acts of God. If it snows, tornadoes, tsunami, this is what's going to happen if that happens. Because I've never had that happen before. Mm-hmm. Get that. I definitely get that. The only reason why you would ever create a policy around it is because it happened because you you just never think about it. Yeah. So I think it's important to create policies, put systems and processes in place earlier than later. I know in the beginning of my business, like I said, I was doing everything by the seat of my pants. And then as I got busy, I would be getting clients calling me while I was out shopping for another client. And they're trying to book me, but I'm in the middle of a job. And it was like, okay, well, I'll send you an invoice when I get home. So even though I was going to still get the money, I was missing out on getting it immediately because at this point I had grew to the point where I wasn't just sitting around waiting on phone calls anymore. So then I started automation. So now every client that wants to book me, I can just send them a link and they can pay it immediately versus waiting on me to find time to invoice. So it's just about putting systems and processes in place that works best for you and your business. The other thing is I was starting to get overwhelmed. So I started to get help. I started to really put a lot of structure into my business. So for 2018, one of my mottos is no is a complete sentence. Can't do everything for everybody. I can't go to everybody's event. Can't work and service my clients and have a private life. Hold on, Ivanya. Hold on. You okay. just kind of skipped right over that. And I think it's too powerful. I had to repeat <laughs> that and have to understand why you developed this complete sentence. Please say it again. No is a complete sentence. And, and it came about because I was getting overwhelmed with so much of the clients. And then, like I said, I'm in transition of a new part of my business and that's taken a lot of me and then I still you know have my daughter I she recently moved across the country though so it's not an everyday thing like before but she just moved a couple months ago so I was still you know trying to find quality time for her quality time for my personal life and my girlfriends and my boyfriend and service clients and make money it was getting to be ridiculous so just (laughs) did you did you yes yes and myself So I just realized, you know, 2018, I was really going to have to put myself on a schedule and really adhere to it. So I have a schedule for the week and I don't normally ever break it. So on Mondays is my admin day. I don't leave my home office. I work on the computer all day, all content, video production for the 
video style tips I do, as well as the written style tips I do for my blog, as well as the scheduled social media content that goes out, as well as any follow-up calls, any um, messages I need to send out, any emails, all of that is Monday's admin. Tuesdays is when I try to have meetings with people, whether it be like men you met up just to connect and talk or meetings that potential clients, meetings with relationships I'm trying to strengthen or build. Wednesdays is actually for working or I schedule clients. Thursdays is actually for working when I schedule and actually service clients. Fridays is fun day, fun days as I call them, fun Fridays. And that's my time for me. I do super light work on Fridays where I usually just try to either get a mani-pedi or have lunch with my girlfriend and only maybe do a phone call or two or something super light so that it can all be about fun and me. Saturdays is for me cleaning my house and some personal time of making sure everything around my house is in order. And every now and then I will take clients or speaking engagement on a Saturday because usually it doesn't happen every Saturday. And then Sundays is my day of rest where I just read, pray, eat, and sleep. And that's my week, every week. I'm not there yet. I want to transition. I am very much an anti-status quo person. I don't really do things because other people say this is how it should be your standard businesses similar to ours where you are providing a and when I say ours we don't do the same thing but you are your business what you do is the service but much of what you do also depends on the client doing their part so I definitely don't believe in refund policies also I'm not saying that I'm a hundred percent against it I'm saying that I don't believe in 30 day guarantee, you know, refund policy or whatever, because I think there's too much in between that. What made you decide to not give a blanket refund policy? I think it was just experience over time um, with dealing with clients. um, And I think when people put their money up, they're going to be more serious. Beginning, I didn't have any kind of policy at all. So it was like I call people and they'd be like, yeah, I want you to come, blah, blah, blah. And I put it on my calendar and I'm thinking I'm going to get paid. And then I call to confirm and then it'd be a bunch of, yeah, my dog got sick. So I'm not going to be, I'm going to have to cancel. And so, you know, that might have been my car note money or my rent money that I thought I was getting. And now I didn't get it. So as of now, every client's book with me has to pay the fee up front. And that is what confirms their date. And I haven't had a cancellation since. And then I also decided no refunds because you sometimes just one bad apple will spoil the policy for everybody. But people get all the work and then be like, oh, wait a minute. Now I don't like it and I want a refund. But you've already gotten the work. I can't take the work back. So at this point, there is no refund. Um, We'll work it out until I get it right, which is rare because most of the times um. I don't want to say this in a cocky way, but um, I'm pretty good at what I do. So most of the time I'm getting it right. So there's no point in a refund. But if there is a, you know what, I just need a little bit more of this or maybe we didn't get enough of the right sizes, then I'll go and just correct it. But there will be no refund. As we're kind of winding down um, this interview, can you take us on a timeline of where your company began? Just the highlights where you are now, and then what's next. Okay, well, the beginning was all over the place. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I did have the passion. I did have the tenacity, the determination, self-motivation, and the focus. And I was consistent. I think you really have to be consistent. And in the beginning, I got consistent, then I stopped being consistent. And then I ended up getting consistent again, and the consistency paid off. 
But I think sometimes you're being consistent and you don't see anything. So you stop being consistent. The thing is, you got to be consistent regardless because you don't know who's watching, who's paying attention. And a lot of times you'll eventually see that they were paying attention, but you didn't realize it. That's what I say the beginning looked like. Um, And then the middle is more like, you know, getting into the swing of things like, okay, these are the kind of clients I like. This is my target audience. Let me put myself in that place. Um, I started doing speaking engagements for uh, I did it for the Deltas, Turner Broadcasting Systems, just did one this week for our Institute of Atlanta. Um, so really kind of finding your way, putting your systems and processes in place, really understanding that regardless of what your gift is, your talent and your services, that this is a business and you need to run it as such. I really think systems and processes and really finding your way and what works for you schedule wise. I just gave you all my schedule. That might not be the schedule for you, but this is where I've gotten to the place in my business. So that's the schedule I've created. That doesn't mean it's, um, you know, set in stone. Sometimes I do have to fluctuate. Sometimes things have to change, but that's my basic schedule that I try to adhere to. And then the next step is I'm thinking of my exit strategy. Like I said, I've been doing this for about 10 years. I still love it to death, but I am getting older. And I think you also think as a business owner, you still have to think about how do I retire? How do I stop working at some point? whatever age that may be, especially if you're the person that basically is generating all the money and that if you don't work, then you don't eat. And as of right now, you know, I have assistants and I have teams, but my clients want me. So I'm still an integral part of how I get paid. Like if I don't work, I'm not getting paid, basically. Um, assistants are just helping. So I'm creating a style app and I'm combining fashion and technology. Technology is really big right now. And that's just the wave of the future of where we're going. And so I'm creating a style app that will duplicate me a um, hundred to a thousand times over with this app so that I'll be able to generate money without me actually being the physical person to do all the labor. So that's my next step. Did you also mention in a prior conversation that we've had that you actually are teaching students now? Yeah, I'm teaching students now so that they can work my app when it comes out. I'm teaching students now, and I say students, but really, you know, the age ranges from like 18, 19 to 40. Anybody who wants to get in the business is never too late to start doing what you love. I mean, Vera Wayne then started designing her wedding dresses until she was in her 40s. And she's one of the most renowned wedding dress designers out here. It's never too late to start your dream. You can start it whenever. I just read the article about the... um the older lady in Wakanda, she's like 80, 90. I mean, in Black Panther. And she's like 80, 90 or something like that. And that's her first movie. And she did Black Panther. So you're never too old to pursue what it is you want to pursue. I teach so that other people can hopefully get to where I am a lot quicker with a lot less mistakes, as well as those are also the same people that I will be using for the app if they're interested as first. So I'm creating, uh, it's another stream of income for me, as well as I'm creating my workforce for the next part of my business. Would you say that travel is one of your main sources of self-care? Yes. Love, love traveling. I literally just created this post that you'll see on Instagram later. And it says, <laughs> I'm going to have to paraphrase it, but it says something to the effect of what if you can travel the world, see the sites and still be a thriving entrepreneur because that's my goal. Um, yes. You are kind of proven that that's possible. So tell, yes. tell me a little bit about your travel excursions and where you've been to and where you want to go. So every year as a birthday gift to myself, I take myself out the country. So far, I've been to Dubai, Paris, Milan, Florence, Rome, Greece, Iceland, 
and recently Thailand, as well as the Caribbean and all that. But I've really been trying to leave the uh, North American content all together and hit all the other content continents. So um, I'm trying to reach all the continents besides Antarctica. I've been to Alaska, but I don't really have a desire to go to Antarctica. I may change my mind, but as of now, I'm trying to reach all the continents before I turn 40. At least touch land on each continent. Now, I still have a list of countries that I want to hit, but I find um, getting away and exploring other, how other people live, culture, food, fashion, etc., is just really amazing to me. I mean, the views in some of these places are beautiful. And just to see another side outside of America, outside of Atlanta, outside of Georgia, just to see. But I really, really enjoy just getting away, uh, recharging. It's refreshing to wake up on the beach on the other side of the world and pray, be able to have your prayer time on the beach. It's just nothing like it. Yeah, travel is definitely part of my self-care. And I think a lot of times we think, oh, I can't afford to do that. I travel on a budget. Okay, trust. I'm finding the most least expensive deals. I'm not spending even... $2,500 on a whole trip. And this is like everything on the trip, if that. Some trips are more, some trips are less, but I'm always looking for those deals. And I'm also making sacrifices locally to be able to travel. So I may not eat out or go out every weekend popping bottles or trying to hang out with my friends every weekend turning up because I want to make sure I have money to be able to travel. So I balance um, my lifestyle here in Atlanta so that I can have the funds to travel as well as still be able to run my business efficiently. Uh, well, again, like I said, life goals for myself because I definitely want to travel more. It was one of the main reasons that also catapulted my launch from leaving corporate America. An issue with PTO and well, you know, we have too many people who are going out at this particular time or you don't have enough days of PTO. And I don't want nobody telling me when I can go, where I can go, yeah. how long I'm going to be able to stay. So that was another thing that, you know, was just kind of like a thorn in my side. It definitely helped push me along further. A lot of people may think Ivanya is really successful. She's been doing this for 10 years and they're right. But what they may not understand is Ivanya has a plan for what this looks yeah. like, whether it's Two years from now, five years from now, you mentioned your exit strategy. What kind of conversations are you having with yourself or your business coach to say, this is what has to be next in order for me to continue to pursue fulfilling this life that I love, whatever that looks like. What is that? What are you seeking help with if that's not too uh, intrusive? To, you know, if I had a business coach or a life coach working with me, this is a conversation that I would have with them because I think some people believe that when you get to a certain stage, you trying to figure it out. Now, um, I'm very, very, uh, I think type A, meaning like I have lists, I write everything down, I believe in manifestation, I believe I can have anything I want if I put in the work for it do what I need to do. And I think you can't be overwhelmed by these big goals. You have to have your big goals and figure out what the small goals are to lead to that big goal to accomplish it. So like I said, I'm building this app. I've been building it for about a year. It's quite expensive and I'm learning a lot as I go. Um, I'm investing a lot of it into 
into it. And I know sometimes when I do feel like slightly discouraged, I'll be like, you know what? You could have just been content with making your money with your clients. But no, you had them be ambitious and build an app, which is costing you five figures and it's going to take you to another level in business. I'm scared, excited, overwhelmed, nervous, but feel like it's going to be really worth it to push myself. So every time I feel like I've reached a goal or accomplished a goal or a plateau, I'm always thinking about, well, what can I do to be better? Or what can I do to make it better? And all of this, of course, is to benefit me in the long run. So I'm always really looking at the bigger picture, even if it is discomforting at times right in this moment, it's going to be all worth it when you look at the bigger picture. Ivanya, thank you so much again for taking time out of your cleaning uh, <laughs> your Saturday morning to have a conversation with eventual entrepreneurs and myself who I know um, will gain a lot from everything that you've, you know, shared with us today. But tell us, where can we find you online, on social media? Where Definitely. Um, I'm Love Ivanya on Instagram. I'm Love E Easily on Facebook. And you can always go to my website, loveefashion.com. And you can contact me there as well. I do do complimentary style consults, meaning if you schedule a time on my website, I will talk to you for us to figure out where you're at with your style. See if you might be interested in actually helping, letting me help you take your style to the next level or make sure you're looking your absolute best. Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Ivanya. I do appreciate Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll do this again and talk about the, uh, the app. Yes. It's becoming a tech entrepreneur. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> well, you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. That's a wrap, guys. That's another episode in the books, done and done. Thank you so much for joining us for the Startup and Thrive podcast. We really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe, like, love, recommend, and share the podcast with other eventual entrepreneurs who are trying to create their fulfilled lives. If you want to know a little bit more about the podcast, please visit courageandcandor.org forward slash podcast. That is our startup community of giving entrepreneurs. And of course, if you want to learn a bit more about me, you can go to charlenelsanders.com. We look forward to the next time. Don't make this time your last time. We'll see you soon. Make it a great day.